You're out of touch. I'm out of tune. Hey, Michelle. Geordie, Geordie. Hello. Hello. It's that time of the week again. It's eavesdropping time where you settle down with a nice copper or a nice tequila sunrise and pop on your favorite <laughs> podcast and that's you and me michelle well maybe it's not your favorite but it's a favorite a favorite of all the podcasts hopefully top five percent globally listened to don't forget can't beat that well you can uh, yeah you can be top two percent top one <laughs> top 0.1 that would be nice come on people get behind Bring us it. tell your friends and tell them to vote for us michelle your, your turn to tell them Yes, you must vote for us in the listener's choice. You must. She's forcing you. British Podcast Awards. That's us. We want to be award winning. Help us. Yes. Help us with that goal. It would goal. be nice. It would give us more opportunities and more money to spend on the podcast. And then we could get that bloody merch sorted. Then you could get your knickers saying, pick up your panties and go. And also we did have an eavesdropper who gave us a slogan. It's a Mendel slogan. What is it? Well, it was from the other day. It was. Ben, drink the Kool-Aid. That was you. Oh, no, Yasmin. Yes, yes, mm. our listener Yasmin, who, by the way, I was having a little look on the social medias and I noticed that all those lovely girls, Safka and Shari and Yasmin, they all know each other. And there was some sort of performance. And I think Yasmin is a performer. She's not actually a Russian bus tour operator what? after all. We love it when everyone writes in. We get to know our listeners. Definitely. And we actually had... A lovely, lovely, quite moving message from one of our listeners about our adoption issue episode. Even yes, we did. We did issue issue. I felt I felt like I was back in my publishing days, in my publishing career, in that issue. Oh, I see. <laughs> in the episode, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and we're glad that you know we can have these episodes that aren't all supernatural. We do true life as well and real. Real crime. Real crime. Real life. Yeah. Real life, true crime. true crime. She confused me. She got the words from, right. not me. Yeah, actually, I had to repost the other day something about that episode, the adoption scandal episode, the forced adoption scandal in Australia it was because, I don't know, spoiler alert, if you've heard it, I'm adopted and I think that my mother was coerced into giving me up. There is a similar story that has come out on Radio 4 on Monday night by a gentleman by the name of, can't remember, it's, it, the name's escaped me, but go to our eavesdrop and social media on Instagram. I've put a post up there and it does cite the Radio 4 documentary and who it's by. And it's worth a listen. I haven't listened yet, but I'm going to. I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes as well. Also, Michelle, you know how you dropped the clangor that Sinead O'Connor was dead? I mean, it's not like it was new information. It, what am I meant to say? It was just your insensitive delivery, I suppose, oh, of the sorry. word dead. She's dead. That's all right. Well, listen, I was quite moved by something I watched last week. I had a night at home at the weekend and I watched Nothing Compares, this documentary, which must have been hastily knocked out it did have her voice on it though so I'm thinking maybe it was in production in production anyway and it was very interesting because it went right back to the very beginning of her childhood and it detailed quite a lot of the abuse that her mother mm. inflicted upon her and how it informed her music and her choices in life and her feelings about things I suppose and I did mention that book by Jeanette McCurdy yes 
she was also abused by her mother, but the thing is she didn't realise she was being abused. Well, I just don't think as a child you you would because that's all you know. But the thing is, for Jeanette McCurdy, she was getting breast exams and um, like full body exams in the shower. Her mother would shower her till she was quite old. <gasps> that is sexual abuse. Kind of, oh but I don't God. think it was for sexual reasons. It was more about control. I think her mother had a lot of mental health issues and they weren't recognized exactly. But listen, I don't want to give spoilers because I really want you to read the book and especially the audio book. Mm. It's fantastic and it's in her voice. She speaks very quickly though, so sometimes it's hard to catch what she's said, but it's worth it. But yeah, going back to Sinead, yes, that was very sad. It was very sad and and sorry that I upset you by just saying she was dead. (sighs) She passed away, RIP Sinead. I mean, look, she was a strong woman who called a spade a spade so yeah and there's a beautiful uh, memorial for her and, and her the funeral cortege through the streets of Bray past her house where she lived and I've seen that house because I think I mentioned I've got a friend who works in the film industry who lives in Bray that co- documentary is also really worth watching it's called Nothing Compares although Prince's estate wouldn't let them use that song in the documentary fucking assholes which was weird i know but it made me think about the wham documentary how wonderful was that and that led me to thinking wham what about hall and oats why isn't there a hall and oats documentary they were classics weren't they you're a rich girl i can go for that no 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 can do loved that song because your kiss your kiss is is on on my my list Private eyes oh are watching God. you. You know all they the see songs. Your every, I know all the words more than I know all the wham words. What else is there? Oh, here she comes. Watch out. Watch, Watch out, boys. She'll, she'll chew, chew you up. up. Wow. Yep. And the classic, you're out of touch. I'm out of tune. <laughs> I did not realize I had so many hits. I knew the big, well, I know, I know all of them now you say them, but I wouldn't have been able to think Hall of Notes. Hall and Oates. Jen probably had a Hall and Oates record on vinyl. My parents weren't cool enough for Hall and Oates. How did you know all the words? Were you just from the radio? Well, yes. Mm. In fact, whilst on holiday, I chose to listen to Hall and Oates radio on the Spotify. So <laughs> it's like, I love this one. Oh, I love this one too. Oh, oh I love that. <laughs> What's this shit? Turn it off. We did that driving back from Italy and I put Nick Kershaw radio on. I love Nick Kershaw. Just those two songs. I know, but that's all you needed. By a tree and a river, there's a hole in the ground. We say it all the time. 80s. Best era ever. The best era ever. Well, speaking of being on holiday, I was away recently in Sweden. Not really holiday. I was cleaning. That's that's what I A cleaning holiday. Because that's the best kind. (laughs) kill me now while I was away Andreas had sent me a picture of the queen you know the part-time cat that I had the cat the cat and she had basically a big rip in her skin and the fur was hanging off really awful oh god it like it really upset me I get these shooting pains down the backs of my legs that happen when I see something yucky things do you Mm. get like a clench in your fanny go on be honest what the fuck are you talking about? A clench in the fanny? Sometimes you get a little like, whoop, like a sphincter. 
clench. That fanny and sphincter are quite different. Well, and- you'd know because you're so much more keener on the back bum than the front bum. You've mentioned it what a few times. About- you have mentioned it a few uh- times in the podcast. You've been going on about back bottom, front bottom. You don't mind it up yes. the ass, but you do mind it up the front. Oh my God. That's what you said about the rabbit. <laughs> You did. You said of the episode about Mary Toft giving birth to rabbits, you said you didn't mind if she was shitting them out, but actually giving birth to them was a whole nother matter. Okay, that is true. But when it comes to this, no, this is not a, a fanny clench. I mean, it's not a fanny flutter. It's not a fanny clench. I don't know about the fanny flutter. But when I look over the edge of a cliff or something, I do get a clench mm. in the fanny. Do you? Yes. Do you get pains anywhere in your body when you see something horrible? No. Because I spoke to Andreas about this and I said, oh my God, when you sent that picture of the queen, you know, I got these shooting pains down my legs, you know. And he's like, no, I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? No one has that. You're, you're the only one. Well, I just thought, are you fucking joking? <laughs> I just thought everybody got this. So mm. actually, I went online and I did a little bit of research because I was like, I can't be the only one. <laughs> Apparently, it's called pain empathy. Ah, uh, you're an empath. Well, I don't know because it's not fucking nice. It's kind <laughs> of when you tune into someone else's pain frequency But it's also called vicarious pain, indirect pain, or mirror pain. And some people call it mirror sensory synesthesia. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it is a typical synesthesia. And some people say it's not. And I don't think I'm a synesthete. We know this word because we've used this before. I talked about a lady with a a website who was a synesthete. Do you remember? Yes. You seem to know the word yes. and I just heard of it. You know, it's like phantom limb. That's synesthesia. Right. Oh, I've, your arm's gone, but I still, you yeah, still yeah, feel yeah. like you've got an arm. Mm. It's getting worse as I get older, these shooting pains. It's like electricity. It's like a jolt of electricity down the back of the legs for me. It doesn't matter if it is on animals, somebody I know, or, or a, film. a character on telly. Yeah. Yep. I, yep, I get it. Whoa. And about 30% of the population have this. And I didn't realise that not everybody... So you're in the minority, Michelle. You're, you're the odd one out. You're an oddball. Let's just face it. But it's really uncomfortable and it's not You're nice. different. I'm a freak. So me and my 30 percenters, we can all hang out. And honestly, if Stroppers... It's if, a good thing. If anybody else has this, let me know. Do write Do in. Do write in. Exactly. That's interesting, Michelle. That's very interesting. Synesthesia. The new thing that I came across. So, yes, I'd love to know if any others are pain empaths because it's fucking awful. Say what? That's interesting, Michelle. You know, I came across something new this week as well. It's not exactly new. I mean, I, I know what a phantom is, but I didn't really know. So I had to kind of Google what it meant. And it says in the dictionary, something elusive or visionary or an object of continual dread or abhorrence. That sounds dreadful, doesn't it? Or something existing in appearance only. Phantom. Did Phantom of the Opera come up and you had to just fucking click off a thousand things? No. Do you know what? I actually did hear the Phantom of the Opera this week, but what? It's not. that's not the reason. <laughs> I didn't go to it. I heard it somewhere. I think it was on the radio. It's so bad for podcasting. Listen, pull up a chair, pour yourself a glass of something refreshing. I've got Lembic today, ladies and gentlemen. Today I'm drinking cherry beer from France, aka Limpic 
or Lembic. I call it Lembic OPEC after the uh, Liberal Democrat MP, Lembic OPEC. No one knows who that is. Hang on, did you have this last time? No, I had tequila last time, Michelle, with the grapefruit soda. I'm very continental. I keep missing out on the opportunity to have alcohol on this podcast. I've got a freaking cup of tea here. Oh, God. Choices. Anywho, let's carry on with the story for this week from me. It's the Phantom of Heilbronn, which is a place in Germany, or Woman Without a Face. And guess who sent me this? It's one of our researchers. He's been a bit quiet, but not very, not handsome, because he's constantly being handsome, aren't you, Al Teggett? He sent me this story, and I also got some backup resources from Wikipedia and a website called Medium. So... Let me tell you this story, Michelle. I can't wait to tell you. This is Al Teggett's favourite supernatural story with a twist. Okay. Phantom of Heilbronn. It's the story of a woman linked to 40 crimes across three countries over a period of 16 years. Were you listening? Fucking serial killer. Could be. It's because DNA evidence, which was found at crime scenes in Austria, France and Germany, that this woman was suspected in the murders of six people from 1993 to 2009, including the murder of a police officer called Michelle or Michaela Kaiserwetter in Heilbronn in Germany in April 2007. Are you with me, people? Yeah. Prolific. The first murder was in 1993. It was a 62-year-old German church warden called Lisolette Schlinger, whose body was discovered by a neighbor. And sadly, trigger warning, she had been strangled with florist's wire. The day before her murder, she had nearly emptied her entire bank account of her savings, which is very out of character for her because she was quite frugal. And none of that money was found in her home after her death. In 1993... When this happened, DNA evidence was not advanced enough to help catch killers. But nevertheless, a sample was taken from Schlenger's coffee cup and it revealed the DNA of an unknown female. But because technology hadn't made that leap yet, the sample was put in storage and forgotten about. And the case of Widow Schlenger went cold. Okay. Then in March 26, 2001... This is some years later. Joseph Walzenbach, I hope I'm getting my pronunciations correct, a 61-year-old antiques dealer from the town of Freiburg in Germany, which is a three-hour journey from the first murder, was found beaten to death by a blunt object and strangled with a belt. Similar to the Schlenger case, cash had also been taken from this crime scene and the results from a sample taken found the same unknown female DNA from a piece of furniture that was found at the Schlinger scene. Jesus. So that was a dude that got murdered. Yes. So one woman, one man, both had the same DNA at the scene. This woman's got to be strong. Years apart. She's got to be strong. Three hours between. Well, he's 61. I guess it's not that old. Well, yeah, okay. It's not that old, actually. Let's just face it. That's not that old. (laughs) Not in this day and age. Not anymore. (laughs) 61's a new 41. (laughs) Then on October 24th, 2001, at a playground in the German... So this is the same year as the guy got killed. Uh, What's his name again? Joseph Walzenbach. The same year, but in October, he was murdered in March. This is now October. There's a playground in a German city called Gerolstein. And I don't know if that's correct. 
how to pronounce that, a child in the playground stepped on a syringe containing heroin. Now, this was a bit of a rough town, but the parents were up in arms. They demanded justice and they wanted the police to DNA test the syringe because they were appalled. You know, this is terrible. They did so. And the DNA on the syringe that was found at the Schlenger and Walzenbach crime scenes. Police are now beginning to build a profile. So we've got a female junkie funding her habits from burglaries and murders of her victims, possibly. Yeah. Thanks to the syringe at the Gerolstein playground, police began to notice the same unknown female DNA at many more crime scenes. So this crime crazy lady had her mitts all over car and motorcycle thefts, many burglaries and attempted burglaries in Austria as well as Germany, and even took a bite out of a cookie while breaking and entering a premises in Budenheim, Germany. This location was slightly closer to the original 1993 Schlenger crime scene. There's something There's something not right here. She's on a fucking rampage without... Well, I guess we are doing a supernatural episode here, but... For me, it's like she's on a rampage, wait, killing, murdering, and just wait and she see. does not give a shit. She's not even like trying to be discreet. There's more. <laughs> there's more info, but they can't catch her. They can't catch her. She's going about this for years. 2004 in Abois, France, which is a five and a half hour journey south of Gerolstein, there is a group of Vietnamese precious gemstone traders. They were brutally attacked by a gang who wanted to steal their gemstones. So they'd been targeted and attacked. This is a big gang-style criminal gang setup. The thieves grabbed about 3,000 euros, jewellery, gold bullion. And at the crime scene, there was a reproduction Beretta pistol found, which the police then DNA tested. Okay. The databases were searched in both France and Germany. And who do you think that sample belonged to? Our faceless murdering junkie. Serial killing bitch. The thieves were captured and arrested, but under brutal interrogation by both French and German police, the gang members refused to name their criminal mastermind lady boss. (gasps) They said, we have a a boss, mob boss lady. I don't know what they said, but the police were angling Mm. for them to name her because they were convinced that she was at all these things and they must have been linked to this, this criminal underworld. Okay. But the popo a.k.a. police, began checking DNA from older crimes because they were so stumped about this. So they wanted to see if a name might pop up because so far they had nothing. Mm. They discovered her DNA at 30 different crime scenes across Germany and Austria between 1993 and 2008. There was breaking and entering in offices, home burglaries, supermarket heists, lots of sheds and campsite thefts. And at one of these campsites... There had been a fight in a group of holidaymakers where a man shot his brother. Her DNA was found on the shell casing of the bullet. What? Who was this femme fatale and how could she be stopped, Michelle? And how is she every fucking where? She's all over the joint. She's everywhere. She's here, she's there, she's every fucking where. In a bit of a group of, you know, three countries, which are all closely neighboured. So a bit more digging, deep digging, as I've written here, was required. So the Austrian police force set to work and discovered the DNA was common among people from Eastern Europe and Russia. Okay. The German authorities were flawed by this knowledge because they didn't know that. Their DNA testing could only place gender from this type of sample, but nothing else. So they obviously thought, hang on, how come they can do that? The Austrians. And we can't. 
What's going on here? They're a bit pissed off. So when was this done? What year? Because obviously... 2008. Oh, that's not that long ago. I know. All right. But it was taken a long time before. Yeah, yeah. This is how it gets its name. This is the narcotic squad police officer by the name of Michelle or Michaela Kaiservetter. She had an affinity with the town of Heilbronn, which is why it's called the Phantom of Heilbronn. This is more than two hours journey from the original Schlenger scene, okay? She would go there whenever she had time off from her work and she went one day between doing some work with her partner, her work partner, another policeman, by the name of Martin Arnold. This is in 2007, actually, so maybe I was wrong about 2008 because I'm flipping around the time zones and I may be a little bit incorrect. Apologies. They parked their patrol car under a tree because it was a really hot day, even though it was April, and they were next to a park. Suddenly, they were set upon by a masked gang wielding guns and shot the police vehicle up. Both officers received gunshot wounds to the head Fuck. and 22-year-old officer Kaiservetter was killed instantly. Their bodies were found lying on the ground next to the car, missing their firearms and handcuffs. However, Officer Arnold survived and after three weeks in a coma, he emerged with total amnesia. He awoke not even knowing why he was in hospital. Oh my God. How awful. They were they weren't even doing anything. How senseless. Don't forget she's narcotics. So I'm wondering if it's gang related, but mm. you'll find out in a minute because I do have an answer to this. Okay. The forensics from the crime scene plus Officer Kaiserwetter's autopsy revealed two calibers from two different pistols, one Polish, one Russian. And guess whose DNA was found in the car carrying the assassins because they found them. Oh, my God. She's everywhere. Mm -hmm. In January 2008, so we're flipping forward again now. We were just in 2007. Now we're in 2008. Three bodies were found in the water in Heppenheim, which is about one hour and 10 minutes northwest of Heilbronn. The three men originated from the state of Georgia, formerly of the Soviet Union, and it said they were in Germany to buy used cars. Dodgy. Okay. Yeah. Super dodge. Two of the men had gunshot wounds to the head. The third had been strangled. Police arrested two people in a Ford Escort and a DNA sweep of the car showed the Phantom's DNA inside yet again. But not her. Not She's nowhere to her, be found. Just these two guys. Once again, the police went in hard on the interrogation, just like the perpetrators of the Vietnamese gemstone robbery. They kept at them, at them, at them. But these guys, they kept dumb about the involvement of the female phantom. Who was she? And why were these rough nuts so scared of her that they couldn't tell the police who the fuck she was? Yeah. Now we have three countries, Michelle, trying to crack this case. Yet still, she managed, as you said, to go about her business untouched and unseen. In May of 2008, a cleaning lady was brutally attacked and robbed at work. Several hundred euros were stolen. Later that year, in Heilbronn-Weinsberg, which I guess is a twin town near Heilbronn, a 45-year-old nurse named Diana Pavlenko was found floating in a large pool of water. Investigators decided to keep the cause of death secret because they thought this is their moment to catch this bloody killer because obviously they must have had her DNA there. The nurse didn't have drugs in her system, just therapeutic levels, they said, and there were no visible wounds either, but they still kept quiet about how she died. But according to this nurse's friends, she was in the middle of a messy divorce and she had been known to be depressed and had spoken of ending her life. 
Forensic evidence obviously revealed right. the phantom's DNA in the crime scene. It was at the nurse's car, which was parked near where she was found. How is this possible? I mean, yes, I guess serial killers get everywhere, but it's always mm. in the car. Or on the furniture, or on the bullet. Soon after this murder, there was a gang of Albanian house robbers arrested in France. The Phantom's DNA was found in one of their cars as well. And once again, under intense scrutiny, none of these ruffians would spill the beans either about the woman at the top. So there is now a massive reward, Jeez. Michelle, to try and capture this bitch. Any information, <laughs> you can get it for 150 euros. I mean, that's a pretty high price, right? We're going to flip again. 150 euros? 150,000. You don't listen to <laughs> me. Sorry, I, th- I was like, I thought you said 150 euros. And I'm like, all this and more for only 150 euros. 50 euros. I'm going to take you for a little bit more of a journey. We're still in Germany. I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to give it a crack. Saarbrücken, late 2008. There was a burglary. And even though her DNA was left at the scene, the victim swore blind the robber was a man. So the victim of this robbery was left untouched or unharmed, or maybe he was harmed, but they were harmed, but they were still alive. So now they're thinking, well, this guy, he's got a female accomplice or... The phantom must be transitioning into being a man. Or was it a red herring to throw the police off? I mean, these guys are fucking confused. Yeah, of course. I'm just trying to think too. Like, okay, have we got some kind of poltergeist plasma? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Wow. Okay, well, now I'm going to take you to March 2009. And I'm sorry, my timeline is flippy floppy all over the place. But here we are. We're in March 2009. I've done my best to place it when a man was arrested on a charge that was unrelated to any of the Phantom's cases. He was DNA tested on the spot and the DNA showed the same as the Phantom's DNA. What? So a dude? This guy was not transitioning and he had alibis for every single one of all of these other near on 40 crimes, including six murders. Then finally, the penny dropped for the police. Has it dropped for you, Michelle? Well, it's something to do with the DNA and who's collecting it, surely. If it's a dude. The company that makes cotton swabs used in the testing of DNA was in South Germany and had several female Eastern European employees whose DNA was all over these phantom crimes. So the police began testing unused swabs and the phantom's DNA was on those as well. No. You bloody idiots. Oh, my God. Contaminated crime scenes. Left, right and oh, centre. I mean. For years. It's not the same person. It was the same same woman and from the same area. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why? I mean, not to be like that, but aren't they wearing fucking gloves? Clearly or not. something? Clearly not. Jesus. It beggars belief that three countries worth of police couldn't have tried this earlier. The amount of varied crimes she was becoming responsible for was starting to seem a little far-fetched. And even you, Michelle, thought so. Even me? What does that mean? (laughs) Even you were starting to wonder, there's something amiss. There is something amiss here. Definitely something fishy. Right. So it's not an alien. It's not plasma. It's not a transitioning person. Wow. So when the police realised this, they had to go back over 40 cases, including the six murders, which amounted to around 16 thousand wasted hours of overtime over eight years between 2001 and 2009 an estimated two million euros wasted 
Then there's the victims that were denied justice. The majority of the mm. Phantom's crimes will now go unsolved. Yeah, of course. Too late. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Only the murderers of Officer Kaiser and attempted murderer of Officer Arnold was solved. There was a group active between 2000 and 2007 called the National Socialist Underground NSU. They were a race hate group, extreme far right wing. And they were targeting, at the time, Turkish immigrants, and they were responsible for about nine deaths. Very small group. Officer Michaela Kaiserwetter's family were somehow connected to this awful group. Her father had tried to rent a local bar that was a favorite hangout for these horror people. And it's really confusing how they were involved, but she was targeted because she lived across from that bar, and some of them thought she'd seen them in a meeting and was able to pinpoint them. identify them so she right. was then their final victim because they were caught okay so it wasn't just a rando attack it no was... it was targeted sadly oh, for her that's and her awful. Family. Yeah. as a result of this mishandling of the phantom's crime due to the contamination the internal organization for standardized Look, it's just a lot of isations. Let me try that again. The Internal Organization <laughs> for Standardization, or ISO, took it upon themselves to standardize the production of consumables such as swabs for the retrieval of DNA in 2016. That fucking time. Yeah. Jesus. Didn't think it through, Michelle. They didn't think it through. Yeah, but basic hygiene. I mean, you think about swabs. You even think about cotton buds. You know, people use them on their babies, in their ears, up their assholes, whatever it and is. And these manufacturers don't even have gloves on. This is no. pre-pandemic times, obviously. That was a riddle. And thank you very much. By a tree, by a river, there's a hole. In the... <laughs> that song is called The Riddle. It is called The Riddle. Nice one. Thank you, Nick Kershaw. <laughs> Thanks, Nick Kershaw. Smash dead. We smashed it. We smashed it. Smashed it out of the park. Smashed it. Well, I actually have something more spooky. It might even have to do with UFOs. Actually, 100% does. It's called the Berkshires, with an S. Berkshires, Berkshires. Is it in England? No, it's in America. Oh, okay. It's probably Berkshire. Berkshires UFO incident. So okay. I'm going to take you back to the 1st of September in 1969 to the Berkshires in Massachusetts, which it's a region that spans about 160K uh, north to south. Population at that time was around 150,000 across all of these little tiny villages and towns. So not massive, but it was popular with tourists and on this particular night, 1st of September, 1969, there mm -hmm. were tourists of a different kind, Geordie. Oh, my God. Yep. Aliens! I'm talking aliens because I love to get Yay. an alien reference in when I can. And look, what actually makes this UFO story a bit different to other stories we've covered is that whatever was in the skies that night, a little bit like your phantom lady was not trying to be discreet. Loads of people saw this thing up and down the Berkshires. And that, to me, actually makes this story a bit more believable in some ways than just a dude in a car on a lonely back road at four o'clock in the morning. You know, the only person in the car, which is yeah. nothing wrong with that, because I do, like we always say, people always are like, I know what I saw. Can't discount it. Exactly. Don't doubt their 
No. It counts. No, I don't. But whatever went down on the 1st of September, 54 years ago, like it's it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that UFO did not give a shit about not being seen. And I'm going to look at a few different people today who didn't really know what they saw that night, but they all saw something. And most of my info today comes from the fifth episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, which is... Oh, come on. Yeah, it's a reboot of the original. They busted this case wide open because before that, it was just sort of one of those underground UFO stories, but they really went hard on it and spoke to lots of people who lived in different towns at that time who didn't know each other, but had all had a strange encounter, starting with Tom Reed his brother Matt, his mum Nancy and his grandmother who has no name. Now, Tom was only nine years old at the time, but he says he remembers this like it was yesterday. So Tom and his family had been out at some kind of WI type show all day. Like a community thing. Yeah, with pad a horse and stroke a chicken, all that kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> The good old days, good, good old healthy, days. clean fun, yeah. stroking a chicken. <laughs> Not choking, I didn't say choking, I said stroking. You're disgusting. Kind of the same thing. You're disgusting. So they'd been stroking a goat all day. And it was getting late. So Nancy, the mum, who was a single mum, actually, and she ran a small diner in Great Barrington. She took the kids there to eat something before going home. Now, Nancy was driving and the grandmother was in the passenger seat and Tom and Matt were in the back. And it was around 8.30 at night. It was getting late. So Nancy took a shortcut home over the Sheffield Bridge in Massachusetts. I feel like I've heard this all before. Really? Maybe you've... No, no, because it's just so similar to all the other stories that we've spoken about where they take a shortcut. But is it? Is it going to be the same? Just hold on to your horses. Maybe not. This bridge, it's one of those weird wooden boxed-in bridges, those covered bridges, Hmm? like Sleepy Hollow, you know, those weird, Hmm? creepy... Like a a tunnel in the ground. It is, like a square wooden tube tunnel, but over it, it's a bridge. So it's really old-school American bridge. As they got to the entrance of the bridge and began to drive across it, Nancy noticed a strange light was coming... Well, she noticed it in the rear window. And it looked like it was hovering behind them. And then whatever it was, was getting closer. And while they were inside the bridge, Tom said he could see light coming through the bottom boards of the bridge. It's a rickety old wooden bridge, right? Fuck that. And this is a quote from Tom from actually from ninenews.com.au. Little nine-year-old Tom. Oh, nine news. Okay. This is from ninenews.com.au. They love a supernatural story in Australia. Yeah. He said... As we left the bridge and came out the other side, we saw what looked like a self-contained sphere of white light. And as it rose up, maybe two stories, there were some rods of light. They fired several thin directional laser-like poles of light from one side to the other. (gasps) The light then retracted into it and the sphere slowly moved around the line of trees going in the same direction that we were. Good God. I know. Intense. He says, my brother then noticed a second round sphere off to the right of the car that looked like it was sitting underwater. I don't really know what that means. And he said, at that point, everything felt odd to us. It was almost like 
we were underwater and as the car slowed and he said you know that tapping sound you get from being in a pool well the sound was stones tapping under the fender of the car oh my god that's made me feel a bit clenchy michelle have you got a fanny (laughs) clench from this not necessarily fanny clench but it's just made me feel a bit like my heart kind of dropped, kind of sunk. Because I, I can imagine being in that situation and just going, fuck this. Well, it gets worse because then he says everything became very still and very quiet. There was literally no sound. And that's when everyone in the car, all four of them, saw something hovering over the fields to the left of them that looked like... Are they still in this silly enclosed bridge? No, they've come out of the bridge now. Okay. And they've seen this thing that looks like the shell of a turtle, rounded, oh. like shell of a turtle shape. And then according to Tom, the two spheres of lights and the turtle shell shaped craft made a yeah. triangle and their car was in the middle of that triangle. Oh God! And then out of nowhere, the car was flooded with light and there was a sudden burst of noise that erupted out of the silence like all the crickets and all the frogs on the banks of the Housatonic mm. River all at that moment burst into sound. My goodness. And then suddenly the family looked outside to see if they could still see the UFO. But not only was the craft nowhere to be seen, they couldn't see the bridge either. What? And in fact, the car was now parked in front of a pharmacy a few fucking kilometers away from that oh bridge. Oh my God. And at this point, <gasps> Nancy, the mom, is pretty freaked out. She has absolutely sure. no clue how the car got in front of this fucking pharmacy. So she goes mm-hmm. to grab the steering wheel and start up the car when she realizes she's not in the driver's seat. What? The grandmother is now behind the wheel of the car. And guess what? Oh, my God. What? She can't drive. That's it. Grandma doesn't drive. <laughs> and that's hell? when they know absolutely something fucked up happened. And then <gasps> Nancy looks at her watch and sees that it's not 8.30 at night anymore. It's what almost it? midnight. Three hours of missing time. Geordie. Oh, wow. And no one in the car had any clue as to what happened. And we know that missing time is an absolute hallmark of UFO abduction cases. And look, Tom has actually been really vocal about this experience ever since it happened. Or time slips. Remember our time slip story as well. That was also quite exciting. Yes. But this poor kid, you know, he was bullied at school because of this. The town didn't believe them. They were ostracized to the point where Nancy had to give up the diner and move out of town, which is fucking terrible. Yeah. But, you know, he says he knows what he saw. And this is a quote from him. He says... It's not just him either. It's his entire family. Exactly. And he says, do I think there was an off-world presence that caused us to be removed from the car? Absolutely. A hundred percent. He says... I can tell you I saw something extraordinary and we were surrounded. The spheres were certainly working in conjunction with the craft and both of these spheres were over water. And he said, do I think there was also a military or governmental aspect involved? More than likely. I feel like there's no way that you've got one without the other. Yeah, it's a bit weird because, yeah, put a pin in Mm -hmm. this because I have some ideas about that. But we're now going to move on to another person who saw something weird in the sky that night, a woman called... Jane Green. Now, that same night, also at 8.30, 
Jane had been out with her friend, Mary de Grace, and the pair were driving. This is the same night. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, the same night, same time. Okay, right, yeah. 8.30. Okay. I, no, I just wanted to make sure I had it right. This is all on the 1st of September, 1969. Okay. Uh, Jane and Mary de Grace were driving on the highway home from Stockbridge to Great Barrington when they saw lights up ahead. And because there were so many lights, Jane was like, oh, shit, there's been an accident. Um, but as the car got closer to these very white lights, everything mm. got brighter and brighter and brighter to the point where she had to stop because she was getting blinded. And she was not the only one. There were cars also stopped where she had stopped. At the car ahead of her had stopped. And there were also other cars on the side of the road because people were like, oh, the light. They couldn't see anything. This is just reminding me of Close, Close Encounters, encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. The whole story so far has, actually. Then Jane got out of the car. So did Mary de Grace. That's when both of them saw an object floating over the road so massive that even when she looked right and left she could not see the edges of the object it was so fucking huge oh my goodness yeah and a quote from her is she said i can't tell you whether it was bronze silver or gold but it was immense and it was tall and she also said she saw some windows but the eeriest thing was that it was silent she said there was no noise there was no motor there was nothing It was just there and these lights were coming and I just looked at it and within a period of seconds, it lifted up, went to the left, lifted up again and then went over the mountain. Like a Tesla. (laughs) Silent like a Tesla. (laughs) Spaceship Tesla. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Now, on the Netflix show, because I watched it, I would say she's probably the most credible out of all of them, along with Nancy Reed, who was switched in the driver's seat yeah because when they did this netflix show just a few years ago i think she's 85 she's got all the marbles and she admits that she was a skeptic before this happened to her and in fact she said she used to scoff at people who talked about anything supernatural and then this happened to her her friend mary de grace who sadly has passed away is that nicer Mm -hmm. way to say it she's dead look she's amazing not Mary to Grace, because I would have loved to have asked Mary, like her opinion of what happened. But this woman, Jane, she's amazing. And she's like, even if I got Alzheimer's, I would remember every single thing about that day. And when you wow. watch the show, you're just like, I believe her. And actually, the show opens with her talking about how that very night, her kids were home with the babysitter and had gone in and told the babysitter they'd seen weird lights and shit in the sky. And the babysitter was like, Yeah, yeah, sure you did. Now, look, don't mention this to your mum. Otherwise, Uh you're going to freak her out. Then Jane obviously had this thing happen to her and she was like, fuck, this huge thing just happened to me tonight and I can't tell the kids about it because they're going to get upset. So they'd both seen it, but neither of them were mentioning it to each other. No. And then when Netflix approached her, she went to her kids and said, listen, when you were little... I saw something and I'm going on on this TV show to talk about it. And they were like, we saw it too. And for 50 years, they never talked about it. Isn't that incredible? Wow. Really weird. But a guy Mm. who did talk out about it was a guy called Tommy Warner. Tommy was 10 years old at the time. And he was over at his babysitter's house, coloring in with this box of crayons. And he suddenly heard this voice echoing above him saying, 
you need to go home now. So Tom turned around because he thought it was his babysitter, Jane, talking to him. But it wasn't Jane's voice. And the voice had come from sort of somewhere else. And when he turned around, Jane wasn't there. And he says now, as a 10-year-old, he thought he heard the voice of God. So he Mm -hmm. jumped up and he ran past his babysitter and ran outside. But as he was like making his way across the grass, because I think the babysitter lived next door, he says he was struck by a beam of light, (gasps) but he kept on running. Thing is, Geordie, he wasn't getting anywhere. He was like fucking running man, running on the spot. Like your worst dream. Like your worst dream. And Jane, the babysitter, she looked outside and she saw him. She saw him. He's just running on the spot, running on the spot. But in his mind, he was fucking running, running, running. He did not know he was running on the spot. And the thing is, if that kid thought he'd heard the voice of God, he probably thought he'd been fucking raptured and that this is what was happening. So I don't know. Poor little mite. Poor little thing. Oh, my goodness. But it wasn't God. I don't think. No. But and in fact, Jane didn't know what the fuck was going on because as she watched him running on the spot, yeah. he just fucking disappeared into thin air. What? She oh, saw him no. vanish and she's on this Netflix series saying, I saw him just disappear. Jesus. And this is a quote from Tommy. He says, I was running full speed and I remember just feeling like I was flying. I was running, but I wasn't moving. Actually, so he did know he wasn't moving, Um, Mm -hmm. but he got a feeling that something was wrong. He said, as I turned, a UFO dropped right out of the sky, right in front of me. Oh, God. And a beam came on me. This light was, hang on, there's someone in my garden. What? Okay, no, 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 it's the caretaker. The local flasher. Oh, he's watering the garden. Okay, oh, bless him. All right, sorry about that. That just really panicked me. I'm sure. It scared me as well. I had the clench. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you know what? Just because we're talking about all this fucking UFO stuff. I know, it's fucking scary, Michelle. It is scary. And then I get scared just about, like, a guy outside. Can you imagine this poor kid? Anyway. Yes, I am imagining that poor little child must have thought everything was upside down for him. Really? So carry on, tell me what happened. This beam, tractor beam. So it picked him up and took him away. That's what happened. That's how he disappeared, yeah. And he said his hands jerked back and the air got sucked out of him and he was beamed up onto the UFO. God. Now, put a pin in that because I'm going to quickly tell you about Melanie Kirchdorfer who says of that night, and this is a quote, she said, my whole life changed. Something weird took place oh and we were a part of it. So Melanie, I think, was a bit of a bad girl because she and her mate wanted to go smoke ciggies out by the lake that night. Naughty, naughty, pack a winnie blues. Pack a winnie blues up her flanny. I think she was maybe 12, 13. She was slightly oh God, older. God, that's so young. Yeah, but she was slightly older than the other boys. But the, her parents were like, Nah, we're all going to Dairy Queen for ice cream. So she reluctantly Mm -hmm. went in the car with her family and her dad had just backed up into the car space in the parking lot at the Dairy Queen when this brilliant bright light shone into the car. Then it started to move. The light was in the sky and he's like, what the hell was that? I'm going to fucking chase it. I think he was a bit wild. He puts the pedal to the metal and starts chasing this light. 
He's not scared. And Melanie and her sister were in the back seat freaking out. And then Melanie's sister said she has no recollection of anything that happened after they started chasing the car. But Melanie says she levitated out of the car and the next thing she knows, she's in a beam of light and she's on that fucking spaceship. And she says she remembers being laid out on the floor of this spaceship and there were loads of other kids all laid out on the floor as well. And the freaky thing here is that the guy before, Tommy Warner, that we just talked about, who was beamed up, he saw her. He saw oh Melanie. He didn't know her and she didn't know him. But he thinks he vaguely must have recognized her from just around the town because they didn't run in the same circles. They're not the same age. He says he looked at her and he saw that she was really scared. Oh, You've got two people who don't know each other in the same place, on that same fucking yeah. ship, with all these kids laid out around them. Oh, no. But then Melanie says, one by one, those kids all began to disappear off the spacecraft. Just bip, 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 hmm. off. And then suddenly, she was at the lake, all by herself, not in the car. Wow. And she had to walk home on her own. Oh, that's just so mentally taxing. Yep. And look, Tommy says he does not remember how he got off the spaceship. All he knows is that one minute he was on the spacecraft with these kids and the next minute he's being laid down on the grass at the other end of the yard where his babysitter lived. He remembers being put down on the ground like you would put a baby down. It was very gentle. Yeah. He says he looked up and he realized this beam was still on him. And he could Mm -hmm. hear his brother yelling at him to run because he couldn't move because the beam was still on him. And then he says he heard the same voice saying to him, I'll be done in a minute. (gasps) And then after a minute, the light beam was gone and he was able to stand up and he ran home and he had lost seven minutes of time. So where was the brother? In the yard. They were, I think they were all fucking looking for him. They were watching this. Well, they saw him come down in this beam of light because remember he'd vanished in the yard. So I think they were just calling for him, looking for him. Right. And the thing is, 40 odd other people are reported to have seen weird shit in the sky that night. So something was definitely happening. But could it be weird government experiments, Geordie? Because as you know, we have talked a lot about that kind of stuff on this podcast. Secret testing that the US government was doing. And remember, this is 1969, right? With that in mind, what if they were doing tests using airborne LSD? Oh. I kept thinking, like, this spaceship did not give a fuck that it was being seen, right? Yeah. And we know that during the 60s, actually all the way through the 50s and the 60s, there were government tests. Yes, there was. The MKUltra using LSD to try and train assassins and all sorts of weird shit. Well, funny that you should talk about MK Ultra because there was a guy called Sidney Gottlieb who was the CIA's chief chemist. Yes. Who did head up the MK Ultra program and you will know this because yes, you know. did the story on it. And I'll link yeah. to that in the show notes. Look, in the early 1950s, I'm just going to give you a little recap on him. He arranged for the CIA to pay 240,000 US dollars. This is back in 1969, big fucking moolah, to buy the world's entire supply of LSD. 
He brought this to the United States and he began spreading it around to hospitals, clinics, prisons. That's in the story, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And he was doing all of these tests. He was doing research projects to find out. Can you mold the brain when it's in that state? Exactly. He used it as a tool for mind control. The thing is, he also did crazy shit with it. Like he put LSD in the food and drinks at staff Christmas parties to then watch the chaos unfold and take notes. Hmm. It was fucked up. So you can imagine people are there going to the buffet. Oh, you know, like I'll have the fruit punch. I'll have, you know, the prawn cocktail. And they're out of their fucking minds on LSD. You know, so with this in mind and that the US had all the LSD in the world and they weren't afraid to use it, it was the fucking Wild West. No ethics at all. Sure. Could it be that there was some kind of aerosol LSD sprayed in the area and all these people in the Berkshires were just really fucking high? Yeah, could be. I actually do think it could be aliens, but I think it could also have been the government. I don't really know, but something went down that night. Loads of people saw it. Loads of people were beamed onto a ship. And no one to this day has any answers, including me. Well, I'm sure it's in the uh, NASA report that they've been doing recently about the non-human samples and whatnot that they have and the reverse engineering that they've been doing for decades, that there is definitely uh, extraterrestrials and UAPs out there that aren't Earth-derived. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to look at the report for this podcast, actually, to see if we can get some information yeah. about it. And maybe we'll do it for an extra droppings as well. Yeah. I, I'm going to try and do a little rundown on the report and try and figure out what the fuck they're actually saying. It's a lot. And it's in the news a lot at the moment. I wonder, because, you know, we've been drip fed a lot of stuff over the years. I wonder yes. if that... Preparing. Yeah, they're preparing us for the big reveal you know, they've got a dead alien, they've got some pieces of a spacecraft, you know, maybe they're going to be able to save our freaking environment by reverse engineering Uh something. But whatever happened in 1969, whether it was LSD or people were really beamed up onto fucking alien spacecrafts, something went down. I never heard of it before, but it Gave me chill bumps. It was creepy. Yeah, that's incredible, Michelle. Wow, thank you. What an incredible story. You had me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> you had me at aliens. <laughs> that's <so cute>. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I've got for you. Well, that's enough. That is more than enough, Michelle. Don't say it do like that. Do you know that. what? I do have something else for you. I've got a telly wreck. Okay, because there's not much television on at the moment because there's a writers and actors strike, isn't there? Yes, but this is... A little bit old. I've only just cottoned onto it. So maybe the Aussies out there will already know about this. It's yeah. a series called Physical and it's got Rose Byrne in it. Oh, yes. I've seen that. Oh, you've yeah. seen the show? I've seen it advertised. I wanted to watch it because there were some great fucking leotards in it. Shiny leotards. The top to toe look. Yes. Headbands. The best era. The 80s. I mean, she's Fashion got a cracking hot bod. I mean, she's a fucking fox. And she's great in this. And I've really got into it because it's just lighthearted and sweet. Although there is a dark side. She's a bulimic and the mental self-abuse because they do a voiceover Mm -hmm. of how she really just beats herself up. It's very upsetting. I've I've loved it. So anybody who wants to. Is it fictional? uh, Good point. Don't know. 
Is she supposed to be some sort of aerobics instructor or TV? She's meant to be Jane Fonda. I thought so. Yeah, making it burn. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a bit of lighthearted telly. So that's my wreck. Wonderful. Doesn't Jane look great for her age? Well, so would you if you'd had fucking $50 million worth of surgery? (laughs) She's in her 80s. She, I mean, she's had it all nipped and tucked. Like, she looks good. She is quite body conscious and face conscious I suppose but she looks good for it she does on that note Geordie I'm gonna go off and watch physical great enjoy yourself and I'm gonna love you and leave you that's great we'll leave you all leave you all with that to ponder don't have nightmares please because it was quite shocking what Michelle just said I thought it was quite shocking it's scary don't have the nightmares don't eat that food at Christmas party don't trust anyone ever And whatever you do, wherever you are, just, just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.